Praise the Lord, people of God. This is the day that the Lord has made, and the Word of God tells us to rejoice and be glad in it. Pastor Mike coming to you once again. We thank the Lord for a beautiful and wonderful day that we can just love on the Lord, love on people around us, and let folks see that there is some God, some good inside of us. Well, the word of God today is going to come out of the book of Acts, chapter 18, 12 through 18th verse. Reads as follows. When Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews with one accord rose up against Paul and brought him to the judgment seat, saying, This fellow persuades men to worship God contrary to the law. And when Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrongdoing or wicked crimes, O oh Jews, there would be reason why I should bear with you. But if it is a question of words and names in your own law, look to it yourselves, for I do not want to be a judge of such matters. And he drove them from the judgment seat, then all the Greeks took Sophenesis, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him before the judgment seat. But Gallio took no notice of these things. So Paul still remained a good while. Then he took leave of the brethren and sailed for Syria, and Priscilla and Aquila were with him. He had his hair cut off at Sincrea, for he had taken a vow. And today, my lesson, I really want to focus in on the 18th verse, where Paul has his hair cut off, and we're going to talk about the vow, the vow that he had taken, and we're going to talk about the nature, and we're going to talk about the purpose, the reason, why did he? It's a hidden treasure, I believe, here that sometimes we can just read over instead of taking a moment and ask, asking the question, why did Paul take a vow? Why was it time now for him to cut his hair off? We need to know what made Paul get a haircut. What was the reason behind it? That's what we want to dig into today. Paul's haircut resulted from a vow that he had made. And you see, you got to understand that Paul was a Jewish Christian and he had Jewish heritage and he was deeply rooted in his heritage. But Christ did not come to save him, to make him forget his heritage, but to complete his heritage. At times, he still applied some of his former practices of being a Jew. And he made wise choices. But the vow to which Luke was referring to was the Nazareth vow. So now I want you to turn your Bibles. We're going to go backwards to understand where we are now. Turn back to the book of Numbers, chapter 6. And we're going to be reading 1 through 8. Chapter 6, 1 through 8 reads, 
Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When either a man or a woman consecrates an offering to take the vow of the Nazarite, to separate himself to the Lord, he shall separate himself from wine and similar drink. He shall drink neither vinegar made from wine nor vinegar made from similar drink. Neither shall he drink any grape juice nor eat fresh grapes or raisins. All the days of his separation, he shall eat nothing that is produced by the grapevine from seed to skin. All the days of the vow of his separation, no razor shall come upon his head until the days are fulfilled for which he separated himself to the Lord. He shall be holy. Then he shall let the locks of the hair of his head grow. All the days that he separates himself to the Lord, he shall not go near a dead body. He shall not make himself unclean even for his father or his mother, for his brother or his sister when they die, because his separation to God is on his head. All the days of his separation, he shall be holy to the Lord. Holy to the Lord. This is what we want to speak about today. The second verse here explains the nature and the purpose of it. And it, the beautiful thing here is, it doesn't matter whether it's a man or woman that makes this vow, but it's about separating yourself to the Lord. That is the nature and purpose here is separating oneself to the Lord so that the Lord can work in you, through you, and keep you. In you, through you, and keep you. That's what's important today. In you through you, keep you. We need the Lord to work in us, through us, to draw other folk to the Lord, keep us so that we can be an example and we don't fall privy to Satan's traps. But separation here was the key. We need to be separated from the world through all the different things that can come inside of our mind, our body, and keep us from being distinguished, keep us from being connected to God because of so many other distractions. They knew that in order to be victorious, in order to have success at this time here, they needed to be obedient. And the Nazareths needed extra help and to be able to concentrate on God. And what's sticks out to me in this lesson here today is we all deal with similar things and what's really ironic here is that 
Paul was no different than you and I. Paul dealt with the same things. Paul dealt with the same weaknesses, the same insecurities. Paul dealt with the same things that each and every one of us face every day. Temptation. Temptation that will sit on every one of our doorsteps every morning. Temptation won't even wait till we get out of bed. Temptation will be sitting right there and usually to come right through that telephone chiming off a text message coming in, somebody directly messaging you. But temptation don't have to wait till you hit your feet, but it starts from the time that you open your eyes. But what was beautiful about this vow here, one, it was voluntary, and it was a special vow. It was a special vow that it separated you from the things of the world. And it was between you and God. You see, Paul, at this point in time in the passage here, he's not only facing his personal problems, but he's facing something really sexually explicit coming to Corinth. And let's take a moment and try to dig into this a little bit. Corinth was extremely immorally, sexually explicit. They had a pagan practice that was the cult of Aphrodite. Aphrodite represented lust and every kind of sexual perversion you could think of. Her followers literally worshipped her through acts of immorality. And it tells me when I study on it, even often in plain sight. Paul, it says that he never had seen anything remotely like the perversion that he would encounter in Corinth. So the haircut in verse 18 of Acts is not the beginning of the vow but it actually signaled the end of the vow. Before he entered Corinth's gates, Paul wisely committed himself to the vow of the Nazarite so he could maintain consecration to and consecration on Christ. The only way that he could have complete victory. And what stood out to me today as I really start getting into my message is we need to take a note out of Paul's book here. We need to wisely commit ourselves to the Lord so that we can maintain that consecration and our concentration on Christ. A lot of us, we're trying to figure out why we can't avoid temptation or deal with temptation. And you must understand that you will never avoid temptation. But what you can do is when we face it, we can prepare ourselves. And this is what Paul was doing. Paul was preparing himself by taking this Nazarite vow. He was preparing himself for being in a place that was sexually 
perverted. Paul knew he would be facing temptation and he knew he had to get some things out of his body, away from his mind, away from his physical being in order to deal with the distractions of life. And I find sometimes that we have traps that are set for each and every one of us. And I'll use, because some of you may sit and say, well, I don't drink alcohol, you know. I don't have issues with uh, sex. So we, we may go through a list here that things may not bother you. But I can also dig into some of us and, and, and say, well, maybe you're not having an issue with sex, but maybe you're having an issue with running your mouth. Maybe you're not having an issue with running your mouth, but maybe you're having an issue with watching things that you shouldn't be watching. Maybe then the next person may be having an issue with just gluttony, eating too much, can't just stop putting food in your mouth. You see, sin is sin. But we tend to sometimes in church, religious folk tend to make big and small sins. We tend to say, well, I don't do that, so I'm fine. But we run our mouth more than sinners out here in the world. We cause more trouble in the church, outside the church, than folk that don't go to church. So as we look at this vow once again in Numbers 6, and three, commands anyone taking this Nazareth vow to abstain from wine or strong drink. It says, I have chosen to abstain from alcohol. Listen, folks. It wasn't because it was forbidden. But it was because they felt that it would become a distraction. And it was a voluntary decision. It wasn't a religious decision put out by the church. But this individual felt that it would be hard to have alcohol in the body which affects the mind and be seriously devoted to God and make the right decisions. Being, having alcohol being under the presence of alcohol could be a trap through Satan where you're not thinking right and, and now you find yourself caught in a bad situation. It's amazing how alcohol gives a lot of folk that boldness. They wouldn't dare say certain things to certain people until they get that alcohol in the system and now they become very bold to say and do anything that they want. Those who took this Nazareth vow were to allow their hair to grow long and it was a physical sign of a special devotion to God. And when I think about that, it was that hair being long was about a, a physical sign that if they temporarily forgot along the way, all they had to do was look at their hair and it was a reminder of the vow that they have taken. And then what would happen also is, is folk would ask questions like, why do you have your hair growing so long? And, 
And it wasn't to be in silence, but it was also to cause conversation. You see, sometimes some of the things that we do, it's being wise. Like the Bible tells us to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And sometimes we do things to cause a conversation without causing, having someone think that we are shoving the word of God or we're shoving uh, our lifestyle down their throat. But it's folk will ask why sometimes we do things and we are to be prepared. You see, preparation is the key to a lot of things in life is we are to be prepared to to have a conversation ready. Well, this is why I'm growing my hair, for example, is that I have taken a vow to God and, and I don't want anything else to distract me, to cause me to be weak. You see, Paul recognized he had the same tendencies as each and every one of us. Weakness, insecurity, and temptations. We're going to be in his face, especially in this area here. So we got to make sure that we understand that you can't always avoid temptation. But how do we face it? We face it and we prepare ourselves to be ready for temptation. I truly believe that we don't strategically get up every day and plan on dealing with the enemy, which is Satan himself. And sometimes it's even our own selves. We don't strategically plan when I feel a certain way, when that weakness steps on my door, what will I be ready to do? And any good military, any good boxer, any good person out here that, that's fighting a battle in whatever it may be, whether it's football, basketball, whatever the sport may be, you always have a strategy. And I truly believe as people of God, we don't strategize enough knowing how the enemy, how Satan will come at us. We sometimes, we're too late. We wait till after he shot his dart, after he came at us and, and he's knocked us down and, and then we're trying to figure out what we're going to do. Instead, we should be ready. The Bible says, be ye ready at all times. And it's not about just studying the word of God, but it's truly about being ye ready and having strategy in life. What am I going to do when that devil shows up? I'm not going to wait till he show up, but I'm going to be ready when he show up. I'm going to set it up so when he do show up, the word of God is just going to be all inside of me. The word of God is going to be pouring out of me. It's going to be oozing out of me. I'm going to be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. That's what Jesus told his followers in the book of Matthew. You see, this is truly about being righteous in spite of reality, in spite of what's real, because you see, your perception is what's real. It's not about what somebody else sees and what somebody else thinks. It's how you perceive it. The way that you perceive it is what's real in your life. But you got to be righteous in spite of what's standing in front of you. What's trying to knock you down today. 
You got to learn to concentrate and submit to Christ. Concentrate and, and on what's most important and what's in not in front of you and what you see with your eyes, but it's time for us to truly understand what faith is. Faith is the substance. That substance of things hoped for. Faith is you don't see it. The doctors have said, told you that you, you have this disease. You don't see it right now because the doctors are telling you what their diagnosis is, but but you're looking at what God says. Faith is not what's tangible, what's in your hand, but it's, it's, it's what you believe, what you hold true to. I believe that God is a healer. I believe that God is a doctor. I believe that God is a lawyer. I believe that God is it can save my marriage. I believe it in spite of what my husband or wife may say. I'm not believe, going off of what I see, but I'm, I'm going off of what the word of God says. I believe that God can save my children. I believe that he can keep them safe out here in the streets. I believe it. We spend more time going based off of what we see instead of what we should be believing. Temptation is all around us. There's no way to get around temptation. But you got to do like Paul did here. You got to prepare yourself. And the way Paul prepared himself was he took that Nazareth vow. And he got himself ready. He made sure that going in the midst of the enemy, going where it was such temptation of sexual immorality, he made sure that he wasn't under any type of influence where he would make the wrong decision. It's very important, as the scripture says, if we're going to separate ourselves, if we're going to make it through the battle, some of us, we need to truly separate ourselves from the ways of the world. If we're going to make it, if we got to strategize. We must truly concentrate on Christ. If we're going to really make it in this, 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 wicked world, this evil world that we're in. I look back at this Aphrodite cult, sexual perversion, sexual immorality. And it said often in plain sight. And I think about where we are today. Nothing matters. Everything is wide open. Used to be be, that's the reason why they called it people coming out of a closet. It used to be folk kept certain things away and, and hidden. And now people don't care what they do and, and when they do it, how they do it, and where they do it. I truly believe we are we are in times of just complete evil wickedness and and just there are no morals and principles and Folk just do whatever and don't care. But the saints of God need to start standing up. 
And we need to stand on God's word and we need to stand on God's principles and, and we need to show somebody that we have been set apart. That the word of God said, be ye holy as I am holy. We need to be set apart so that somebody else can see that God is truly real. He's a way maker. He's a deliverer. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. Jesus is real. I implore you today to prepare yourself for the enemy. Get your strategy together. Prepare yourselves for temptation. I implore you, don't just sit back and think that temptation won't come to you, but prepare yourselves. I thank each and every one of you for listening to the word of God today. I thank you for allowing God to bless you and enter your heart and if there be someone out there that's listening to this word of God that, that wants to accept Christ in your life, it's easy. You just admit that you're a sinner. Ask God for forgiveness. Ask him to come into your life and accept him as your Lord and Savior. It's that simple. And you will be born again today. We all need to ask the Lord to lead us. Lead us to a rock that is high above ourselves. We need to understand, God, please be our refuge and strong tower in the face of, in of the enemy. Lord, we'll take refuge under your shelter of your wings, Father. We need to make a vow to the Lord and continually sing a new song, a new song of loving and thanking the Lord for just coming into our life, saving us one more day. Thanking him for his angels that encamp round about us, watching over our children, our husband and wives, our, our family. Thanking him for being a mighty, mighty good God. Once again, I thank you all for those that are still encouraging with your tithe and offerings that are still supporting the church in a mighty way. We thank you. We thank you. We pray a special blessing on those that are blessing the, 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 the man of God, that is blessing the house of God. We thank you for his true word. Stay blessed. We know what that means. Life cannot conquer us. Stay blessed and anointed. Highly favored. Until we meet again. In Jesus' name, amen.